Okay, hi everyone to the first episode of Let's Talk About Sex. I'm Ashton Mackey. And I'm Caroline Van Dyke. And we're gonna talk about sex. <laughs> we're um we just wanted to say that most of the podcast of this podcast is based off of uh Laura Brotherson's book and they were not ashamed. Um if you wanna check out more about her, her website is strengtheningmarriage.com. Um, so again, this is mainly attributed to Laura Brotherson because we're not totally experts. Um, a little bit about me, Ashton. Um, I am from Boise, Idaho. I'm married to Brogan Mackey, and he's the bomb. And I'm a communications student right now at BYU-Idaho. I am Caroline. I am currently a new nursing student at BYU-Idaho. I am in my third semester, and I will be graduating in about five months. And it's been really fun, and I'm really grateful for the experiences that I've had. What we're talking about today, uh, as I mentioned before on some previous Facebook posts, if you don't follow us, follow us on Facebook at Let's Talk About Sex. Follow our page and like it. Um... But it's five essential times to talk to your child about sex. So the very first time, and these are just suggestions, again, from Laura Brotherson from her podcast, The Marriage and Intimacy Show. Um, So I guess those are the two platforms that we're basing this off of, is the podcast and the book, her book, and they were not ashamed. Um, But the very first time that she recommends talking to your child about sex, as in having an actual discussion, not an uncomfortable discussion, um, but just a casual discussion with your child uh, that she recommends is before they enter school as in before they leave you for an extended amount of time whether that's preschool kindergarten daycare whatever it is obviously if they're an infant and they're going to daycare you don't need to talk to them but (laughs) I mean if they can understand if they can hear your words and talk to you uh, you should be talking to them one of the interesting things about this age group is that they are really young Um, But if you look at their developmental stages, kind of related to Erickson's stages, along with Freud's stages of development, is this puts, this is the children that are in the phallic stage, which is where they are discovering their bodies, they're learning about the differences between their bodies and those around them. This is when they recognize that there's a difference between their mom's body and their dad's body. They recognize, you know, if they're a boy, oh, my body looks like my dad's. Or as a girl, mine looks like my mom. Um, And this is a really important stage in their development because they are, it's a discovering period. It's when they need to be able to recognize what they look like. And they need to know that how their bodies work and the way that they look is normal. That it's acceptable. That it's part of who they are. With Erickson's, um, looking at this age group, this is kind of a time frame when they are learning the difference between kind of initiative and guilt and industry and inferiority. And so communication with these children needs to be focused on building them up and teaching them in a way that they will understand and making sure that when we talk to them about their bodies and the way that they work and the way they interact with their bodies, that we're doing it in a way that doesn't inspire guilt and that doesn't make them afraid of their bodies and the things that they are capable of. Um. Yeah, and with that, um, 
in Laura Brotherson's book, and they were not ashamed. If you have the book, or if you want to get it, it's on page five. It's chapter one. It's under a section called "Sexual Conditioning for Parents." I mean, from parents. Sorry. Um, and it says in paragraph two, shaming can lead a child to think she is fundamentally or he is fundamentally bad. Young children readily internalize shame. Dr. John Gray shed some light on the unforeseen shame children may accumulate regarding their bodies and themselves. And I thought this was interesting, but he says young children up to nine years old are not capable of dealing with shaming messages. And I think it's nine and above also, but uh, they can't deal with those shaming messages without assuming too much blame. Any kind of punishment, disapproval, or emotional upset in reaction to your child's mistakes ultimately gives a shaming message. Before the age of nine, a child cannot discern the difference between I did something bad and I am bad. And so Caroline brought up a point when we were just talking about this earlier of, you know, what if you see your child touching themselves obviously as a as a parent you don't want to say oh that's okay it's self-discovery I mean obviously you don't want to teach them that it's okay to touch yourself um but also you want to teach them in a way that like we said like not shaming and so my sister was actually just talking to me about this and my niece uh it was kind of the same thing my niece was in the bathtub kind of feeling around uh, kind of like, oh, what is all this vagina business? I don't understand. And m- instead of shaming and saying, oh, Chandler, we don't touch there. Um, she just said, hey, Chandler, what's up? Like, do you have questions about your body? Can I answer anything for you? And I thought that that was a really interesting way of going about it and not shaming my niece. And that that goes into into number two of Laura Brotherson's five essential times to talk to your child about sex. Um, She mentions before the age of eight, um, but that's when children are exposed to more sexually explicit images and materials, whether that's at school. So again, not shaming your child. Um, And then number three is before puberty. I'm sure you all remember hitting puberty and thinking what in the world is happening to my body. Things are changing, your moods are different, your body's adjusting, and it seems like this total foreign territory. Um, At this age, this is where it's kind of important to make sure that your children truly understand what's happening to them. That their hormones are going to change, that their bodies are going to develop, and this is where, you know, reminding them and making sure that they know that this is normal, that this is something that happens to everybody, that, you know, we go through it at different times. For some people, you know, puberty starts at 11. For others, it's 14. Um, Ashton and I were just talking about um, a couple of these different things, and I brought up that I'd had a couple, I've had a couple conversations with some of my nursing friends, and one of them was telling me that as he was growing up, his mom made a good point to make sure that he understood just because he got an erection didn't mean that he was doing something bad. It didn't mean he was looking at something he shouldn't be. If it happened around another boy, it didn't mean he was gay or attracted to men. That it just is something that happens in the body because hormones are changing and things are adjusting. And so it's important that we make sure that children understand that just because something is happening or just because it's changing doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean they're doing something wrong. It's just part of 
maturing and it's part of the changes the body needs to go through in order to reach the stage of full development. And I was thinking about this right now as you were talking, like, I think as, and we're not parents, both of us aren't parents, but we have parents as so many do. And, um, we're, I was just thinking about it, like, maybe we default on the side of, like, we feel shame already. I don't know, maybe that's because I grew up religious, but, like, I remember hitting 12 and starting my period, and I felt guilty for starting a period. Like, I remember I couldn't look at my dad, or the first time I wore a padded bra. Like, I felt guilty around my dad specifically and it wasn't because of shaming like my mom was really open about like all of that and I have all sisters like I have four sisters and so it wasn't like I wasn't exposed to that before but I felt shame and I feel like my my natural inclination was to feel shame I I don't know why maybe it's because it was just unknown to me so I would say to parents like just because you're not actively like shaming your kid or saying, no, don't do that. Maybe saying nothing at all is a form of shaming. And we need to teach them that it's not a shameful thing. And I think kids catch on to that. Like how your parents feel about sexuality will eventually be how you feel about sexuality or the body in general. So kind of interesting. Number four is before they start dating I started dating when I was 16. Were you? Talk to you about that. Um, Not a ton. I think my parents did kind of address, like, you know, making sure that I was making good choices. I was hanging out with good people. I was going on dates with um, boys that would respect me. But I think one of the other big things is that I wish that my parents had been open to questions. And granted, as a 16-year-old, I wasn't super gung-ho about talking to my parents about anything sexual that just kind of was weird territory my mom had just gotten pregnant again and I thought that was the weirdest thing (laughs) ever Um, and so it kind of was this field of unknown territory where I didn't know how to talk to my parents I didn't know how to communicate questions that I had or things that were going on in my life and so I think that had this avenue kind of been established a little bit earlier I probably would have been more comfortable with it and that I mean, especially now and in the last, you know, five, six years, I felt way more comfortable talking to my mom and even my dad in some instances about sex, about sexuality and about different aspects of dating and marriage and that it's been so much more comfortable for me and I've felt a lot safer in my um, curiosity and my questions because I know that my parents are there for me to talk to. I know that you know, I can ask them these questions and they're not going to kind of look at me and go, what in the world are you asking me this for? Why is this on your mind? Um, Another important part of, I think, talking to your children when they're starting today is making sure that they know kind of what to expect, that there are going to be feelings, they're going to be sexually attracted to people, and that they... And that it's okay to feel those things, that that's normal and that's a good thing. Right, and I think that's interesting. And We we both said it earlier, and, and I think it's because we're religious, not that I blame religion, obviously, but it is interesting that we even said when it came to dating that our parents made sure that we were being good. 
And so that's interesting because that almost implies that anything sexual is bad. Um, and that's the last thing that that parents should be teaching their children. And again, it goes back to the shaming thing. Maybe your 16-year-old son had a wet dream and he's like, what the heck, mom and dad? I don't know what's going on, but he feels shame. Or, uh, you know, your daughter imagined her high school crush naked and she feels shame. That's the last thing we want. And so, um, again, just assuming that your children, I don't want to say feel shame, but kind of that they that they don't know what's going on, that they feel confused as to what their bodies are doing and then addressing it and not in an uncomfortable way. Each child's different. Maybe one child needs to be sat down. Maybe one kid needs to be taken out and, I don't know, out to dinner and you bring it up casually. It just depends on the child, but never making them feel uncomfortable and never making them feel shame. So really interesting. Um, Laura Brotherson's last thought um, with these five things is number five is before they get married. Uh, I put on my blog, I said, well, duh. It's just so funny. Cause, uh, I've just heard of so many friends, like their mom just, I don't know, slips a book under their door the night before their wedding or whatever. That's all about sex or, um, or the funniest story in my family is my mom before she married my dad, she talked to my grandma and, uh, She's just like, mom, I just, I don't get it. How does that even work? Sex is so weird. What the heck? And my grandma just said, honey, don't worry. And back then, I guess they had the state school where all the, where all the bad kids went. <laughs> and she just said, even the kids at the state school figure it out. <laughs> and my mom was like, thank you. Like, what do I, huh? Like, what do I say to that? I'm just going to figure it out. But but Laura Brotherson says in her book, um, in a few chapters down from where we're at now, uh, she says that you can't just assume that figuring out will be will lead to a good sex life. She was like, a good sex life doesn't come to everyone. You have to work for a good sex life. And if you want one in the future, don't just assume uh, that you'll just figure it out. It's, it takes research and asking people, and I mean, in appropriate ways, and researching things like through this book. And Anyway, but but one big thing that Laura Brotherson talks about that um, that strikes fear in a lot of especially young women uh, is something called the good girl syndrome, um, and that's kind of she's coined that term. That's hers, uh, but she calls it the good girl syndrome just because those who are good girls, like what we were saying earlier, like our parents were saying, well, we just want to make sure you're being good. Those who are quote unquote good girls are girls who not just abstain from sex, but also are girls who don't even acknowledge their sexuality who are like oh no I I've never wanted to have sex with a boy or oh no 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 I and and maybe some girls just have a low sex drive but we have to acknowledge that we are sexual beings and that is not a bad thing but uh Laura Brotherson goes through some points so we're gonna go through uh some points that may point to if you have good girl syndrome or not or maybe you suffer a little bit or whatever we're gonna read through these points though okay the first one is discomfort embarrassment or inability to appropriately discuss sexual matters um and this isn't just like oh I kind of blush or whatever this is major discomfort like 
and it says inability to appropriately discuss it. Like if someone's trying to bring it up in a conversation that is that is mature and not trying to mock sex, but actually trying to ask questions. If you are uh, shying away from the topic and f- literally feel uncomfortable, like you need to leave the room, maybe the good girl syndrome is something that you might suffer from. Um, the next one is underlying belief that sex is bad, wrong, dirty, or sinful. And that can lead back to, I don't know, maybe you see a Victoria's Secret ad and you're like, oh my gosh, look at them. They're so scantily dressed and you know how could anyone be like that uh since lingerie is for sex uh therefore sex must be bad so um the next one is lack of understanding of the design divine purposes of sex particularly that god intended it for pleasure as well as procreation and this is interesting because i think that especially growing up in um the lds culture that when i was a young woman kind of from 14 to 18 that the way we were taught about sex and procreation was that um it kind of fell into this category of like oh we don't do that or oh this is bad right now and this kind of thing and there was never emphasis on the fact that it is meant for us to enjoy it is meant to bring a husband and a wife closer together it is meant to be a very significant part of their relationship and that is why God made us the way that he did he made our bodies the way he did because that's how they're meant to respond it's how they're meant to interact with each other in order to bring us closer together and to strengthen that relationship and I used to kind of foolishly think oh God made sex feel good because Caroline and I are obviously we're religious and I used to think God made sex feel good so that he could trick people into having kids <laughs> that's what I thought it's like the only reason people have a lot of kids is if sex feels good but I have realized that that of course it's for procreative purposes it is meant to bring children into the world that is how you do it but um, it says even just right here it says it's intended for pleasure as well as procreation. And like what Caroline was saying, just looking at the male anatomy and looking at the female anatomy, um, God would not have created my body to be the way it is if he did not want me to enjoy a sexual experience, right? And it's clear when you look at female and male anatomies. Um, The next one is lack of enjoyment of sexual relations, participation out of duty. And that kind of links back to the previous one in that you know, we're just doing this because that's what we're supposed to do as a wife or as a spouse. Like you're just, oh, we're supposed to have sex. We're supposed to do this. And it's not something that you do because you want to be close to your spouse or because you want to experience that with them. Yeah. And I had a friend, uh, she was talking to a a peer of hers. I don't know, but he said, uh, you know, men give love to get sex, and women give sex to get love. And <laughs> she and I were talking about that. It was Emma. And I was just like, oh my gosh. I was just like, that's that's not true. And being Christian and believing that marriage safeguards intimacy and sexual relationships, I, I do believe that, that sex is for married man and married woman together. And sex is is not something that women dislike and that men love I don't know it's a form of communication it's a form of bonding I remember there's this girl who's doing my hair before Rogan and I got engaged and she had just gotten married and 
and she was like oh sex just kind of becomes a chore she literally said it becomes a chore and I was like what the heck (laughs) but um and if it is starting to feel like a chore maybe I don't know I don't know I'm no sex expert but just like doing something to spice it up or communicate and be like why why is this feeling like a chore like am I feeling loved by my spouse do I feel like he's using me and if so I should talk to him about it and just figure out how to not feel used uh the next one is inappropriate inhibitions guilt shame or awkwardness associated with the sexual relations within marriage um and I think this kind of touches on some of those feelings that have been addressed in some of these previous points that when we're with our spouse um and I'm not married yet but I'm have several friends who are and we've had conversations about this a lot that there's a comfort that needs to be there with your spouse in kind of recognizing that you know you're both learning about each other and you're both kind of engaging in this maybe for the first time um and so kind of making sure that you're both on the same page so that you can be together and not feel awkward so that you can kind of recognize that oh like maybe we really just don't know how to do this yet and we kind of are figuring out what we both enjoy and that's okay it's part of building a relationship it's part of kind of anything in life is we're going to start with absolutely no knowledge or maybe basic fundamentals and then it's all about learning and growing from that point on right and with that if anyone's listening to this and you're about to get married um the wedding night is not as scary as people say it's just so interesting to me that we have this like so much fear but what Laura Brotherson again goes into I think it's in chapter five she talks about the female response in a sexual relationship and I'm going to throw out the o word but like orgasming you can't do that if you keep thinking this is dirty this is evil this is bad you won't like it's a great it's it's supposed to be good and so it's just so interesting that we have it in our minds that it's evil when that very thought is what keeps us from feeling the wonderfulness of intimacy. So um, last one, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, the last one is discomfort or distaste with sexual parts of the body and body functioning. Um, and that goes with males and females. Like if I'm a female and I think, ew, vaginas, that's disgusting. But if I'm also like, ew, penises, that's also disgusting. Is it peni? <laughs> No, you don't learn that in nursing school (laughs) (laughs) um but like if you literally like like gag at the thought I mean not the thought do you know what I mean though like yeah it was just like that is disgusting that is literally disgusting you know maybe you suffer from a little bit of good girl syndrome and and that's okay and that's the other thing that we want to end with is that all these things are curable and just and how in whatever ways like turn to God and because God created us this way. He created us to be sexual. And that's not blasphemous of me to say. It's it's true. He created me this way. He created all of us this way. And um, I think just turning to God and turning to those who we trust, turning to books like And They Were Not Ashamed and books that are like unto it or podcasts or whatever. Um, you can't give your sexuality if you don't understand your sexuality. So anyway, just some thoughts. If we don't allow ourselves to do that, kind of like Ashton was saying, with exploring our own sexuality, now that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, acting on it, but it means recognizing that our bodies are designed for this kind of thing. They're designed for pleasure. They're designed to to participate in this because they are. And I can use this to further a relationship with a spouse and to 
you know, kind of like Ashton was saying, bring that into a marriage and be comfortable with myself in the way that I am and be strong about it and recognize that it's not a bad thing to feel. And honestly, how cool is that for two individuals who are confident and understanding of their sexuality if they can come into a marriage and share that with each other it's not the guy understands himself perfectly and the girl's like hey what's a penis you know what I mean like that's not what sex is supposed to be like let's especially as women and maybe it's just because I am a woman but like come on like I honestly think let's educate ourselves and be the wives and mothers that we can be and so we can teach children with this world that's like stuffed with pornography everywhere and and explicit messages about you know what sexuality is like we need to understand and be knowledgeable on the subject so that we can teach them so not to get all heavy but um let's talk about it like that's that's someone was like what is the message of your podcast anyway and i was like i think it's pretty self-explanatory in the title like it's just to let's talk about sex like get loosey-goosey not in an inappropriate way or in a way that is casual or degrading toward intimacy because it's god-given and god-made we know that but i also think that god wants us to research it out study it out understand our bodies because he gave it to us so let's talk about sex